0: Welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast.
1: I'm Aaron. And I'm Nathan, and we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon here to open up our lives and minds with you. We are your companion on the journey to grow your healthcare practice, yourself, and your relationships.
0: To get you started, we've got a free email course on our website, shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course, with practical steps on overcoming your fear and anxiety. Thank you for joining us on the Shrink Think Podcast. Episode of Shrink Think podcast. We've got a interesting episode for you today. It's an insightful one that will hopefully help you to get to know yourself better. Which is kind of an interesting thing to talk about because it's you. You know, like you should know yourself. You live with yourself all the time. You look in the mirror every morning. You brush your own teeth. If you're a parent, I you're hope. also <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> if you're a parent, you're also brushing other people's teeth as well. So maybe you know them, those little people. Um, but you're in your own head with your own feelings, watching your life go by. You should know yourself in a lot of ways. You are the expert on yourself. But for some reason, sometimes you can also be the most difficult person for you to know. So we want to unpack that a bit and help you to get to know yourself. Because maybe as you have watched your life go by, maybe there are things that you see in yourself that you don't really understand. Maybe you don't know why you do some of the things you do. (laughs) Maybe you wake up in the morning (laughs) with like a bag full of cash. You're like, I don't know where this came from. That's a different episode on (laughs) dissociation. (laughs) Maybe you want to grow as a person, but you don't exactly know how. Or maybe for a lot of folks, they feel like they've just been on autopilot their whole life. You sort of feel like your life is out of control, like your life is happening to you as opposed to you're the one in control of your life. Or maybe you don't really know how you ended up where you ended up. If that's you, then this episode is for you because we want to unpack for you how you got to the place that you're at of being unaware of yourself in your life, not knowing yourself, we also want you to learn how you can begin to pay attention to yourself so that you can know yourself and become aware and then give you some tools that will help you to do that. So to get us started, how in the world does someone get to a place in their life where you don't really know yourself? Like, how does that even a thing, how does that develop? Subtly,
1: over time, you find out something. Actually, nothing about yourself. You just, you just over time, are someone that's what happens, and you're, you know, I'm talking to you. That's right. Who me? Who is me? Me that's talking to you? No, you're not. You're listening. I don't even know what I'm doing. Um. Anyway,
0: how in the world did you get there? Maybe, maybe that's we don't want to know. So there's your answer. You don't want to know how you got here.
1: The answer is an ugly truth. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The idea of knowing yourself is kind of dealing with an assumption. Which is that you already know yourself. Sorry, Aaron's doing weird things, and I'm just going to leave that alone. Because I know Aaron, and that's why. And I know myself, and I'll go too far. (laughs) You guys are all like, what's going on? I'm sorry, I'm not going to tell you. Anyway, he can't drink water very well, though. That's one thing. So, So, getting to know yourself is just dealing with the assumption that you already do. You don't. As you get older... Um, what happens is, is that you become basically the product of your own routine. And so then what happens is, and I'm speaking as like an almost 45 year old, so obviously ancient, some of you older folks are like, shut up. But you can actually experience issues when you get outside of your routine. Like, even as much as like, I've actually before I've had headaches, and I've realized like, oh, my entire routine's thrown off. That's what's going on. Because I'm like, have to engage in this totally different which i didn't even know that i was going to be doing and so oftentimes the older you get the more you kind of realize that you actually don't know yourself and i'll break that down a little bit more so back up you're 18 19 in general most people around that age will say their childhood's fine it's good childhood nothing wrong with it yeah i got some stuff but whatever everybody does it's fine you get to be like older and you're like crap my childhood is not was not good, and then you start thinking, "Well, it wasn't as bad as that person's." So I guess I should be okay, or whatever. Well, it's worse than that person, so maybe that is a problem. And everything's being gauged on you essentially, kind of waking up to more aspects of who you are, to seeing, to being uh, essentially okay with actually looking inside the closet of the past. And going like, wow, that actually might have been a bigger deal. But it's kind of curious how we have to get so far from it before we're okay opening the door. And so the reality is, is us therapists cannot, in order for you to grow, we as therapists cannot be the only person that's curious about you. You also have to be curious about you.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a great starting point. You know, being that age, why is it that we don't get curious about ourselves when we're in the midst of living life, I think it's very simple. It's because we're busy living life. You could call it surviving. You know, when you're going through stuff, you're not necessarily, and especially at that age, you don't really have the developmental ability to look at yourself. You don't really have a whole lot of experience. You don't really, even typically most people don't know the value of looking at themselves, understanding themselves. You're just 18, 19 years old, living life, trying to make decisions, Make friends, fit in somewhere, maybe figure out your career path, something like that. All of that is, in a sense, it's kind of like survival. When I say the word survival, I think it's a fitting word because it, it just means doing what needs to get done to get by for right now. And so a lot of these decisions that you're making, the ways of thinking, the ways of being, how you relate to people, maybe even some of the routines you have for yourself... That kind of stuff gets developed based on, you know, whatever the need is at the time. So you think something through, you make a decision, or or maybe you don't even think it through, you just react, but you make a decision and that becomes something that works. You're like, okay, I like that, that that's good for my life right now. And so that is something that you develop a life on or you, you set a routine and you go. But then oftentimes what happens is... Maybe you don't exactly know fully why you decided, but it just works for right now. Or it's just information that as you evolve and you grow and you change, your life changes, that information never gets updated. Those decisions, routines, ways of thinking, feeling, being, relating to people are in a sense outdated. You're you're functioning as a, you know, if we're taking this example of like 18, 19 year old, now 10 years later, you're functioning as a 28, 29 year old based on information from when you were a teenager. Maybe if you moved out at 18, maybe you got a job, you started living on your own, that kind of thing. It's based on information that you've been doing that now for like 10 or 12 years, and it's very different. You're a completely different person than you were at that time in different circumstances. That information needs to get updated, let alone if you're, let's say, a 45-year-old basing your life on information from when you were 18, 19 years old.
1: I'll give you an, a, just a really easy example for you, for most of you. There's going to be some of you that are going to, this won't, it'll be whatever. What you know about dinosaurs, whatever that is, you likely learned in about third grade. Congrats. Also, if, if you've watched the History Channel in the last few weeks, turns out you're probably wrong. <laughs> like Most dinosaurs apparently had feathers, That's an interesting little wake up call. A lot of them did, which is where the birds think is a whole thing from. But anyway, that's just getting at the idea that like what you've learned and you sometimes can own stuff that's so compartmentalized and and kind of in a lot of ways unchangeable is was a long time ago that you learned it, but you still own it as if it's current today. And so knowing yourself is just becoming an active partner in your own human development. And that's really what we're talking about. A lot of you guys out there are self-help gurus who are listening to us. And we really like the likes if you're out there. Likey, likey.
0: (laughs) Yeah, head over to Apple Podcasts and give us five stars and write great reviews. Tell all your friends. That's a shameless plug right there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, no, but you're right in the sense that it's outdated information that needs to get updated, but it also, it needs to get looked at. It needs to get evaluated because so much of the time we don't look at that information. You know, I, I call it being on autopilot. So many people, it really feels like, and it, it's not a, it's not a criticism. It's just an observation that when people come in, they're not used to looking at themselves and observing what they're doing, why they're doing it what's underneath all of that, where it came from. And that's what we are doing as therapists. Another aspect of that in terms of uh, being on autopilot is um, I'll ask somebody, you know, why is it that you do that? And people will just give the answer of like, oh, this is just what I've always done. Or this is just who I am, how I do things. And I'll dig a little bit deeper. And I'll I'll say, why is that? And And the answer is often, I just have always done it that way. I don't know why. And I'm not really, again, I'm not trying to make a judgment on somebody. I really want to look at like, when did that start? And oftentimes it's like, well, you know, something happened when I was like seven years old and I was like, oh, I'm never going to let that happen again. And so I decided at that time, here's how I'm going to handle stress or here's how I'm going to handle rejection or here's how I'm going to handle whatever that thing may be. And you made that decision as a seven year old and you've been operating off of that belief and from that situation ever since. Well, now that you're an adult, you have adult capabilities, adult brain, adult resources. You could operate very differently, but you just didn't know that you've been operating that way because you've the story you've been telling yourself is, this is just who I am and how I do things. You've never stopped to evaluate that and say, does that need to get updated? Because I'm not seven anymore, and I'm not in that stressful situation. So a lot of what we want to talk about today is getting to know yourself involves looking at things that you haven't looked at before or looking at things that you might think, why do you want to look over there? Why do you want to, you know, go back to these habits? That's just the way I am. No, it's not. Oftentimes it's that that behavior became a series of behaviors that became a habit that you then internalized as this is just who
1: I am and how I did things. So let's take a look. So maybe the first thing that you do is just ask yourself, what do you like to do? Honestly, what do you like to do? There's reasons for what you like to do. And then I'd ask yourself, what do you actually do? And then I would say, are you doing what you like to do? It may be that you've got it in your head. Like, I I love to play soccer. I have not played freaking soccer in probably legitimately 20 years, which is embarrassing to say out loud. But like, so I watch a lot of it and I was... I used to play it all the time, but I don't play it now. It's funny because the other day, somebody was talking about how they played soccer. I'm like, oh, yeah, I played soccer my whole life. And I'm like, "Mm, no, I haven't (laughs) because my whole life is like I'm 45 now.
0: That's a great example. It's like one of those things you said for so long, you know, like, oh, I played my whole life. You know, into your 20s or whatever. But then when you stopped playing, you kept saying it like, oh, I played soccer my whole life. And it's only been a year or two years since you've played it. But yeah, at that point, you've played your whole life. But then 10 years, 15 years, 20 years goes by. You keep repeating that same thing. It's like, wait a minute, that's outdated. You need to update that information.
1: Yeah, we can have, you know, when I was younger, who I was, was a soccer player. It was essentially an identity. And so, I would offer up to you that we can actually have many identities and not have multiple personality disorder, which is actually now DID. For those of you who just got critical, shame on you. And anyway, but we can have multiple identities. And so, and they can, they can sometimes clash, which can actually be a problem. And when that happens is when that's when you need to know like, okay, who actually am I? Why can I do these two things that are mutually exclusive and i think that they're awesome and they're they're me because then then now it's like well no actually they're not you are something different and something is going on inside
0: so in order to get to know yourself i want to introduce you to something you've probably heard a lot of in the culture or if you've been you know part of any self-help culture out there um, you've been in the self-help section of a uh, library or a bookstore if you even know what that is. Um, (laughs) Amazon. Um, It's called mindfulness. There's a lot of people out there that talk a lot about mindfulness. I just want to keep it really, really simple. Mindfulness is definitely a way of getting yourself grounded, being present, but it's also a great tool to get to know yourself. Mindfulness simply involves paying attention to your own thoughts, your own emotions, and your own actions, your own body sensations. What's going on in me? Those are all the elements that make me, me. Those are the things that make you as a person who you are. It takes a little bit of curiosity and some patience and just observational skills. I think it was Dan Siegel that had this like mind sight camera that he came up with in his, I think it was the mindfulness book that he wrote. And this little camera is just simply a camera that sits in a room. It's like this old webcam that's round and it sits on a tripod, three legs that give it its function. One is the powers of observation. If you can observe yourself, you can see and gather all of the information you need to know in order to tell you who you are, what you do, why you do some of the things you do. Of course, observation requires that you be non-judgmental about it as well. So you have to observe yourself You have to do it without any judgment. And then there's one more thing. You've got the powers of observation. You have to be non-judgmental about it, which means you have to be objective. That's the second leg of his uh, Dan Siegel's little tripod. Objectivity simply means that you're not putting judgment in it because as soon as you put judgment on it, you might discount something, you might inflate something, minimize something, and you're not really going to see what's really going on. The last one is you just have to simply be open there are things that you might observe that you're like oh i don't like that that's not necessarily judgmental it's just that i don't like what that i don't like what i see and as soon as you are closed off to that you're no longer seeing what you need to see that can give you the information of what you're doing so for example if i see that if i want to believe that i am a responsible disciplined person if i am observing that i sleep in past my alarm and that i don't work out And I'm, like, rushing out the door every day. Well, that goes against what I want to think about myself, but that's what's actually happening. You know, like, Nathan, you were talking about, like, I want to be a soccer player or I want to think that I play soccer. But if I look at my life and I'm like, I don't do that, well, I can either go with what I believe about myself, which contradicts the evidence, or I can go with the actual evidence of what I'm doing, which is like, well, I don't play soccer, so I can't say that I'm a soccer player. Well, that's, that's a challenge to who I think I am, to what I want my identity to be. But that's how you get to know yourself is by looking at the actual evidence of who you are. So if you can be open, you can be objective, and you can just observe the thoughts, the feelings, the body sensations, and the actions of who you are and what you do, you can gather a lot of information.
1: Yeah, there's another guy out there. Johari, he made up this little thing called the Johari Window, which I'm hoping we're not going to totally screw up. His
0: first name is like Joe, and his last name is Hari.
1: No, that, they call it the Johari Window. That's all I got. So yeah, if, if you really, if you really care, Google is your friend. So just think four panes of glass, right? And this is about the idea of knowing yourself. So in one, in one of those panes, it's you know, and everybody knows. And then another pain is you know, and no one knows. Then another pain is other people know and you don't know. And then another pain is no one knows. So from that perspective, it's just kind of the idea of of how the understanding, how stuff works. And so one of the things we're trying to give you is a practical tip for getting to know yourself, because that's entirely what this is about, is they've developed assessments for, for things like this. Like there's personality assessments out there. And actually, and this was likely totally overkill, but they have this thing called the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory, which is just...
0: Can you say that again?
1: Nope. Slower. The Minnesota Multiphasic Personality inventory.
0: MMPI.
1: Yes. Yes. Anyway, it is the most researched personality assessment on the planet. And it will always be by the way they've set this thing up. That actually is as accurate on your brain as a MRI, which is crazy. So there's, that's probably the, the one side of the spectrum of personality. And then the other ones are like in a magazine, you know,
0: like, <laughs> that's a little bit different. Yeah. Vogue magazine. Yeah. Take this little quiz or the ones that pop up on Facebook.
1: How likable are you? <laughs> so do you like yourself? Oh yeah. You're not that likable. <laughs> Which celebrity are you? There you go. So, and then there's the ones that are like, they have value and they're more in between and they're not as extensive and like people will be like, that's not really who I am. If I take it from a different position, then it's this. Okay. All right. That's fine. But they still give you a look, you know, they look, they give you a look inside because they have tried to validate some of these assessments and basically make sure that they're getting consistency throughout like the people that are taking them. And so therein lies some cool stuff. Like one of those is the Enneagram and, and actually at lifeencounter.com on our blog, There, Angie has been writing about the Enneagram for a while now. So if you want some more information, I'd click over there. So the Enneagram, that's great. I like that because it assesses not simply just personality, meaning like habits and thoughts, but it also has a tendency to get at temperament. And then it can compare how you would interact with with this other person who's a different number on the Enneagram and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I'll contrast that with the Myers-Briggs. That's another popular one that's out there, the MBTI, Myers-Briggs Type Indicator. It's this common one that people will take that gives you four letters, appropriate letters, (laughs) of your personality, like an ISTP or an ENFJ kind of a thing. And that's looking at like introversion, extroversion, how you gather information. So like there's a couple of functions that we have as individuals, how we gather information and like what we do with that information. So the Myers-Briggs is um, well-researched. There's a lot of great stuff to that. I've looked at the Myers-Briggs as a very helpful tool that identifies kind of like your cognitive functionings, which are your what, whereas The Enneagram looks at more of the why. I like the Enneagram better just for my personality. It focuses on your motivations and your fears as a person. So it's not just looking at what you do, but it's really the why you do it, like your motivation for doing it or your fear for doing it. And so those are just two different examples of some great tools that you can use to get to know yourself a little bit better. And of course, you know, the thing about some of these tools, and I'll list a couple of others as well. Um, Like, for example, there's the Core Values Index or there's Strengths Finders, or the DISC, D-I-S-C. All of those resources are great. And there's a bunch of other ones out there as well that you can take to get to know yourself on different levels. But the thing about those tools, you know, a lot of people have an issue with like taking an assessment like, oh, I hate how they label me or they put me into a box and say like, this is who you are. And I mean, you can read it that way if you want, but that's not super helpful because ultimately every individual is different. But the thing is just to take some of these tools and find stuff about yourself that you can know stuff that's like, yeah, that is me. And maybe you take a couple of the principles from one and you take a couple of the concepts from another. At least this way, you can get some more objective information about yourself. It's just like talking to different people. You know, if I were to ask Nathan to give me some feedback on myself, tell me who I am. He's going to tell me something different than, you know, a a friend who says, oh, this is who Aaron is in a different context because each of those people is different and they get a different side of me or they see a different side of me. So another tool that you can use, obviously, is asking people, ask people to give you some feedback about yourself. Like, tell me a little bit about about me. What do you see in me? How am I? What are the kinds of things you see that I do? What do I like? What do I not like? The more you can ask those people around you for some feedback about you, the more you can know about yourself. That can sometimes be surprising. Of course, just like that Mindsight camera, you have to really be open to that information. If you're going to be in denial about that, it's not going to make any difference. It's not going to be helpful to to ask people. And probably they're not going to want to tell you because they know you're not going to be open to it.
1: So one of the ways that I like to use these assessments for folks, especially especially with couples, is I'll, I'll have them go do an Enneagram. And usually, actually, that's the one that I would choose. The reason is because it, it automatically just just inserts objectivity. So it's not that this lady is being mean to her husband. It's that she is just stating it this way because this is the way a one speaks. Other people... That have filled the same Enneagram out and said the same thing would do the same thing to you in a different situation. And I can tell the guy, like, this is just the way that it is. I mean, so now from an objective standpoint, we know we have something to accept, right? As Aaron was just saying, you have to be open. But the reality is, is like, oh, number one, we have to accept this because it's not going to change. And if it does, maybe not very much. And number two, don't take this personally, this is literally just who the person is and they are not trying to bang you over the head with themselves. They just are that way.
0: Yeah, I was talking with a couple a couple of weeks ago about the Enneagram. They had taken it and they have had some issues in communication and turns out that the husband is a 8 on the Enneagram, which means that he tends to communicate much more directly, more boldly. It's kind of like In a sense, like they don't mess around. They're just looking at the way things are. It's not personal. A lot of times, they're just looking at a behavior and speaking to that behavior without any personal stuff behind it. And for a lot of other folks like myself, I'm in Enneagram 3, it's easy to take that stuff personally because I come from more of my heart center. So something that somebody is saying to me I'm kind of infusing emotion into it, or I'm bringing emotion to the table. And so it's easy to feel like, oh, you're saying something about me personally, or you're, you're making a moral judgment. But in this case, the Enneagram eight, the husband, no, he's just stating a fact. He's just saying something. And if I'm taking offense at it, then it might not be that he's meaning it. It could actually just mean that he's just saying a fact. He's just saying things as they really are. And so if I know that, about that person, then it's like, oh, that's just what he's saying. There's nothing more to it. I don't have to read into it. If you know that about yourself, and then again, if you know that about other people, it can really help you to interact and relate differently. Just like if I know that I'm a three and I come from a more sensitive place, it's easy for me to know that I can be sensitive in certain situations and I need to manage that in a certain way.
1: Yeah. So that's one way. Those are some types of things that you can use even on your own. And we were just talking about in the context of couples, but in the place where we're speaking today of knowing yourself, maybe you want to take that on your own, you know, like find one. There's actually places that you can get a lot of those things free out there. There's also, they know you're looking. So when you start searching personality tests, they'll start like giving you all these ways to pay, they'll let you know that, oh, here's this, and now you have to pay this in order to get the big meal deal. And I would just tell you, I'm most they are mostly out there. The abridged or like brief versions, they're fine. Honestly, they're fine.
0: You can take one of those assessments, and then if you wanted to read more about it, you could find a website that explains more about the different types that gives you the, that information for free. Or you can find a book like for the Enneagram, The Road Back to You is a great book that will tell you kind of an overview of all the different types. So there's a way to get that information for free or you know from the library without having to pay for you know an arm and a leg for these expensive
1: assessments. So first off, um, circling full circle, know your habits, start looking at what your habits are, start realizing that you are not the sum total of your habits. So you, you really shouldn't say that you're a soccer player when you haven't played for like 20 years. Are you saying that to anyone in specific or is this an admittance? That you're I uh, don't know what you're talking about. So look the other way now. I don't want to, I want to be a soccer player. Good job
0: being open to this information.
1: <laughs> oh, And then what you need to do is take an active role in trying to figure out, you know, try to be aware of of all that. And that's kind of, in some ways, it's one of the same thing when you're you're trying to understand your habits. But as you take an active role and, and just being realistic with yourself, knowing that you have a perspective. And this is the other piece that we're introducing is that other people have a perspective also on you. And it's valid. It's a valid perspective. And when you start to really realize that, it can be weird. And that actually is one of the pieces that happens over time as you get older is that becomes more obvious that other people have a perspective and your thoughts and opinions about what you were going to be doing when you turn 30 well now that you're 30, are you doing that? Can you really say that that's you know what you were gonna that you, who you are is XYZ because you do blah 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 like it's funny when you get to be about I'd say 28 27 people are finishing schools they're finishing grad schools. Or they still are working at some um, lower level job, and all I mean by that is like more entry level, and then everything starts to separate out. Like it's really weird when you have a you have a friend go, you realize like, oh, you're a you're a doctor, okay, and you are 28 and a doctor, it's, and I am not a doctor. It's you know like you have done a lot, you've kept going and done a lot of things. And stuff starts to separate itself into different places in your life where your life starts to be something that you have to actually look at. And I think that that actually occurs probably more around, like I'm saying, 28 to 30. But that's part of how wisdom works, right? So being an active human with yourself, a partner, an active partner in your own human development, messing that all up, is just about staying focused on being open to your own perspective being valid but also other people's perspectives valid.
0: Yeah, and keep in mind, you know, as you're as you're talking, it's like keep in mind that as you grow and you change and you get older, like that information needs to continually get updated. So it's not just like, okay, I was open. I I studied myself for, you know, 3 years of my life from 27 to 30 and now I know myself Well, that's going to change when you're 35, when you're 40, 45 it's going to evolve. And so you need to go back, gather more information, stay open. I guess it's in that sense, it's like, you know, when I think about losing weight, I went through a period years ago where I had gained some weight and I had had to lose it. I decided I wasn't just going to diet. I didn't want to just cut calories, work out or something and lose weight and then go back to whatever I was doing before. I was like, no, I want to live a lifestyle that was healthy. And so I had to make decisions that were sustainable in the long run. In that sense, it's like saying, I want to live a lifestyle of openness. I want to stay open to my thoughts, my feelings, my actions, my beliefs, which means you always need to be open to or looking for that information all the time. It doesn't mean that you have to be distracted. You know, sorry, I can't, I can't go out with a group tonight to the restaurant. I'm staying home to journal and <laughs> to pay attention to myself. <laughs> I'm committed to self growth. Um, or that you stop listening to people because you're so busy in your own head paying attention to your own thoughts. It just means that in those few moments, you know, maybe even like at the end of the day, reflecting back and saying, why did I do this? Or what do I want to do with tomorrow or with this weekend? Paying attention to where you're at in your life and what's important to you because that stuff is constantly evolving. So hopefully this episode has given you some practical tips. We'll put all the, those links in the show notes. In fact, I can give you some ideas of places where you might be able to take some of those assessments for free and to learn about yourself. And we'd love to hear from you guys about what has been helpful to you what you learn about yourself from these different tools and how that has been helpful for your own self-knowledge and self-growth because ultimately awareness is curative like dr Parrott said in our interview with him when you can become aware of something about yourself you can do something about it and we want you to be able to take control of your own life and to live a happy healthy life as much as you can
1: hey have a great day everybody
0: Thanks for listening to our show. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit our website at www.shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course and sign up for our free email course, Nine Ways to Overcome Fear and Self-Doubt. And you'll get nine weeks worth of customized, practical strategies you can use to get past the fear that's holding you back in your life. Thanks again for listening.